We good? Born ready. All right. Before I lose Brandon, look, Brandon's already scratching his head. He's ready to go to sleep. Oh. That was season one behavior. I'm a different ah. man now. <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> oh, good times. Is, is he able to turn off his camera like he did towards the end of season one? Nope. So that we would never be able to pick it's up on it. It's not allowed anymore. You ruined it for the rest of us, Brandon. Yeah. yeah, go, yeah. Brandon. <laughs> it's my bad, guys. Didn't uh, didn't mean to ruin that. <laughs> All right, welcome everyone in. Happy is it is it Happy Star Wars Day or is it Happy May the Fourth? What's the what's what's it's the May the Fourth be with you. with you? So as you can tell, we have a full house. We have Brandon, we got Antonio, we got Amanda, and we got myself. So hello. How's everyone feeling about doing a Star Wars movie tonight? Long overdue. Jazzed. Jazzed. <laughs> Love the enthusiasm. Everyone sounds so excited. Okay, our movie tonight is the first installment of the Star Wars anthology series. It was the second highest grossing film of 2016. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So, I think it's pretty much safe to say everyone here kind of loves that movie, right? Yes. I do. Yep. You know, it's a, it's, it's a top... It's a top three Star Wars movie for me. Top two. Top two. Actually, no, three. You're right, Brandon. Don't start. We'll no, what's your the- what's in your no, ahead, what's in your top three? It's Empire number one. Last Jedi number two. Fucking hell. I knew this was gonna World happen. One number three. Last Jedi? Really? Oh, that's right. That is your movie. That is It is a great movie. And we'll get into it later. We'll get into it later. Hey, anytime you can float through space, that's what I'm here for. Uh, um, I am here as a, what did Amanda call it in the outline? A Star Wars purist. I'm yeah. a Star Wars purist that is get, that is going to attack the fellow purists that don't like this movie or Last Jedi. Last Jedi, better than Rise of Skywalker. Sorry, I might well, be skipping ahead and jumping around, where, but... Where's the hot take? No, it's not a hot take, it's just fact, truth. Okay, so I always start off with a question right off the bat. Is Rogue One the best prequel movie ever? I think the answer might be yes. Yeah. Brandon searching his relics. Well, actually, no. That's a lot. That's a that's a lot to take in. That's a you know I I can't say that it's just the best prequel ever. Okay, is it the best prequel movie we've had in the last twenty five years? It's in the running. Name a better one in this century. Is there a better one? Because I, I can tell you the best prequel movie ever is Godfather 2. Fast Five. Is Fast uh, Fast Five's a prequel? <laughs> Are we going to go there? <laughs> or does it just skip around in the timeline? Any Anything before Tokyo Drift is considered a prequel. <laughs> oh, God. Well, like, okay, so, like, is The Hobbit a prequel to... Yes. The Hobbit would be considered a prequel. Um, but Days of Future Past. That would be considered a prequel. Okay, but as that's a trash movie, so. Ex- yeah. What? As would Grindelwald. What is it called? Not Grindelwald. What is it? Crime. The, Fantastic yeah. Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts Beast would be considered that. Um, Prometheus. Does, so out of all of those movies. Does count if they're going to turn into their own series, though? Well, yeah. That then w- it's not a prequel anymore. Now it's its own storyline. Well, see, that's what makes this one a little bit different. Because if that's the case, you could also say A New Hope. Is a prequel. Well, a prequel to uh, I see what she's saying, and I, and I had a feeling someone was going to say that, but I'm I'm saying like a no. I mean that's exactly what a prequel is. A prequel is the story before the main story in which we're told, or the the main the the first story that was put out. So like if you look at X Men, you look at X Men First Class, Planet of the Apes, you look at Rise of Planet of the Apes, Silence of the Lambs, you look at Red Dragon, Alien Prometheus, like those like that's the type I'm talking about. Out of all of those, you have to say that probably. Rogue One would probably be the best, at least in the last 25 years. So Antonio, tell me, why, why, why do you love this movie? Um, human element. We kind of get away from the, the mystique of the Jedi and the Sith and kind of just look at the everyday soldiers, really. Uh, both, you know, you kind of look at both good and evil. The bad guys have their intentions and you understand kind of what they're, what they're trying to accomplish and you understand what the rebels are trying to accomplish uh, and they're not doing it by using mind tricks or lightsabers, you know, good old fashioned blasters miss more times than they hit. Yeah. I think that's, what's kind of unique about this particular one is that the, 
the lore of Star Wars is secondary to this particular situation and story. Like, there's not a lot of lightsaber talk. There's no Skywalker talk. There's no, you know what I mean? It's just, this is a story. And that's what's kind of unique about it. Brandon, why do you love this movie? For me, this is because it's an original uh, Star Wars story. Um, it, like you said, it doesn't fit into any of the trilogies. It's kind of its, its own standalone film. And I thought that the story that it told was uh, really good. A lot of people, I think, hate this movie because you, you, you're not as invested in the characters um, as you are where you got, you got three films to be invested in Luke and you got three films to be invested in Obi and Obi-Wan and Anakin's story. Um, I think that this one does a great job of both introducing you to a new character and closing the book on that character and making you care about that character. I thought that this was, it's a fantastic film for, um, Felicity Jones. Jesus. Can't believe I forgot her name. It's your girl. We're going to talk about mouths later. I hope. That's why you're here. (laughs) I have a, uh, I think one of the things that, that drew me to this movie is the fact that I'm not a star Wars fan. Like, really at all i i have a deep appreciation for it because it's one of the most important series in the last 60 70 years of cinema so you have to if you love movies you have to have at least seen the original three in in star wars return of the jedi and the empire strikes back and i couldn't even tell you if two and three are in the right order that's how i'm not that big of a fan i appreciate the series in general one of the things i love most about rogue one is the fact that you don't have to be a fan of the trilogy in order to enjoy this movie. If you just watch the movie from beginning to end, you can kind of figure out what's going on. And then you, for someone like me who has seen star Wars a handful of times, it answers the biggest question of them all is I remember in star Wars, it was, Hey, we have to knock out this one piece of the death star. Well, like how did you know to knock that piece out? That was always my question when I watched it. And this movie answered that question. Could have just stuck some plywood on there. I think first and foremost we got to talk about is how incredible the casting is of this movie. Full disclosure, I thought Diego Luna was Pedro Pascal when I saw this movie. What? I was like, like oh, the guy from Narcos? Latinos look alike? Yeah. (laughs) Look at how Pedro Pascal looked in Narcos and how Diego Luna looks in this movie. All right, and that's how we get canceled. Yep. I'm brown, I can say that. What about the casting do you want to talk about? Which part? Just the fact that they used, not necessarily relative unknowns, but it was a lot of, it was very reminiscent of the first Star Wars, and you're gonna you're not going to use a lot of A-listers. You're going to use B and C-listers that aren't either, aren't that well-known at the time, like, or or they have never been given that main lead role. Like uh, like Diego Luna, the only thing I can remember him in other than Itumama Tambien is he was in um, the, uh, the Terminal with Tom Hanks. I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't remember who Felicity Jones was. I couldn't really think of anything I'd really seen her in. How did y'all feel about them? You, so, well, hold on. You didn't see The Theory of Everything? Mm-mm. Have never really? seen it. Uh, it's on. Well, it's on the list, the the long list, but it's there. She's she's fantastic in it, um, which is you know why I'm ja- I was uh, excited to see her in this as the uh, the lead. Uh, Felicity, I'm I don't know what it is about Felicity Jones, but I'm just like really drawn to her as an actress. I think that she's super talented, and um, I just you know I I like seeing i like seeing her and stuff so i was i was excited for this casting i mean obviously there's some uh good good casting in here though with uh in supporting characters mad mickelson gets not enough screen time uh for him being the big star that he is um obviously forrest whitaker um anchors uh a good first portion of this movie i think um yeah i thought the casting in this was great I think that the two best actors in this movie didn't get enough screen time, personally. You want to go that far ahead in the... Well, who the... I mean, just it's, briefly. It's Ben Mendelsohn, for one, and it's Mads Mikkelsen. Like, their scenes together were so good. 
like a master class. And I don't think Orson got enough screen time. You know, I didn't think it got enough screen time. K2, Alan Tudyk. Is he not, is he not the, I think he could have gotten more. That's how good he was. Is he not the best like voice actor to play a robot ever? Name a better one. Great voice actor. The character is annoying. What? I'm just going to say it right now. What? Wow. It is probably the worst sidekicky character in all of Star Wars. Wow. I'm upset. Worse than BB-8? BB-8 doesn't have any lines. Robot. I'm just kidding. I just wanted to, I, I just wanted to see if I could piss off Antonio being the... He's got a BB-8 mural on his wall. It was on sale. <laughs> kind of like that Roger Goodell mural. Oh, you saw that? I wasn't the only one? Yeah. That shit was funny. <laughs> I was like, wow, way to go, McVeigh. So real quick, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, was nominated for two Oscars in sound mixing and visual effects. And I have no idea how this thing was not nominated for cinematography. That opening shot coming in onto where uh, Jin and her parents live, that's just like beautiful. The scenery, where everything takes place at the very end on Scarif, just beautifully shot. I mean, I don't think it could beat La La Land because that year everyone loved La La Land for everything except Best Picture. Smart. But the movie made a little over a billion dollars on a budget of 200 million. It was the second highest grossing movie in 2016, only being surpassed by, can anyone guess which movie? We literally just did it. Fast Five? No. (laughs) In 2016, uh, Captain America Civil War beat out this movie. Never heard of her. Me neither. I don't understand why. But that is kind of weird. I Not weird, but I guess that's just a generational thing. A Marvel movie beating out a Star Wars movie. I also I also think, though, that like people who are opposed to Star Wars are like really opposed to Star Wars. Like those people that abide by the whole like only nerds watch this. Or, which is Wasn't stupid. Wasn't Star Wars a November Christmas time release? It was released wow. in, on December 10th, yeah, 2016. Well, Civil War had the, the summer bump, so. That is true. It was a hot summer that year. People wanted to be indoors, watch more movies. The theater gave AMC its first pump. It's fine. I'll take that. <laughs> All right, so we'll get through a little bit of a plot. We'll do a little quick little, not necessarily a quick rundown, but we're going to do a rundown on the movie right quick before we get into some of our favorite scenes and what are the most pivotal scenes. So, if you haven't seen Rogue One, a Star Wars story, we appreciate you tuning in, but here's a little brief little summary. Okay, so years into the new Galactic Empire, things aren't going as smoothly as we would like. In order to put future potential rebel scum in check, the Empire enlists the unwilling help of Galen Erso to finish building a planet-destroying weapon that we all know as the Death Star. Space Mexican heartthrob Cassian Andor finds out about the Death Star from an Empire mole and promptly kills him. Upon learning this, the Resistance decides to get an Urso of their own and break Galen's daughter, Jin, out of a prison transport and force her into fighting for their cause. From here, we go on a journey from planet to planet, picking up a blind man, his mercenary friend, an Empire-defecting cargo pilot, and a reprogrammed droid trying to figure out how to stop the Death Star. Jin is forced to witness the murder of her father, but has knowledge of the Death Star's weakness. She shares this information with the rebel base only to not be believed. Typical. I added that part in, Antonio. It's okay. So let's get this straight. You bring her in to find her father and figure out a way to stop the Empire. She completes both tasks and leadership is like, nah, we're good. No wonder people don't trust authority figures. Now, in an effort to make amends for past mistakes he made on behalf of the Resistance, Cassian gathers up some of the other rebels to join Jin in their rogue mission to retrieve the Death Star plans themselves. There's some Star Wars fan service for the next 20 to 40 minutes. People die, fans cry, and we're left with the new hope for the Resistance. I think that's about sums it up, right? Brandon just over there looking in disbelief. What a piece of writing. <laughs> that's is brought he, to you by Antonio. But is he wrong? Good luck next week. That, we can't, I mean, Antonio, spoiler alert, it's not going to be on our episode next week because he's got a date. That's what's up. You Wait, wor- with a with an actual human person, or <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, don't worry about it. You got that Justin Herbert jersey ironed out, anyhow. So Antonio writes all of our summaries, so don't expect next week's to be as good as this week or the previous weeks before because it's just money. 
I think who is it? Amanda said this. I think Amanda said the same thing that one of her favorite, right? One of your favorite. It's the opening scene. Yeah. The opening interaction between uh, Krennic and Galen Erso. Krennic. So why do you think that's okay? So obviously that's like the most important scene because that kind of lays the groundwork for the entire movie. Because you don't know what the movie's about unless that opening scene happens and you're kind of like, oh. Well, the opening scene happens and you still don't know what's going on. But But it does lay the groundwork for the rest of the movie, yes. But they talk about, in the opening scene, they talk about the weapon, right? You need to finish what you started kind of thing? Or am I making that up? Someone help me here. Yeah, no, they they kind of allude to it. Uh, If you know, you know. Um, If you don't, you're still kind of hooked. I, I, I feel like you would be hooked. Like, oh, there's a weapon out there. Yeah. Right. And so I guess someone like me who had seen the original Star Wars movies, didn't deep dive too far into them, knew that this movie is a prequel to that. So you're thinking weapon. And I immediately thought, okay, oh, this is the guy that 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 created the Death Star. Right. Like that's initially what I thought, but I wasn't sure yet. But just the way that opening, I think we kind of we've already touched on it a bit, but the way the opening scene looks I think that's probably like one of the best scenes of the movie. That opening scene, you're going to stop and you're going to stick around and watch. Even if it's just that scene. Maybe not the entire movie, but that scene's pretty awesome. And you basically have the two, in my opinion, and I think Amanda agrees, the two best actors in this movie kind of going toe-to-toe. Yeah. Yeah, and their dialogue is, uh, is one of my favorite parts of that scene, specifically when Galen is, is you know trying to protect his family. It's like, you know, they're, they're gone, they're dead. And then Galen's wife comes back, like to try to try to stop him from from going with Krennic, and Krennic is just like, "Oh, look, back from the dead! It's a miracle!" But like with more like disgust in his voice. The scene is not similar, but the acting is somewhat similar as to the opening scene in Inglorious Bastards, where you look at um, Colonel Landa and you're like, "Oh, this dude's bad." Oh, this guy's real bad. And you kind of get the same sense with Krennic when you kind of see his sarcasm and his kind of wit and his kind of, oh, back from the dead kind of line, like you said. Who's got who's got another scene next, like kind of after that that's important? I mean, I guess, right, the next most important scene after that is the rebels breaking Jen out of the prison transport, I guess is important, right? Because we're introduced to older Jen at this point. We're not really told why she's imprisoned, right? We just know that... Crimes can... against the Empire. Very vague. Right. I would have thought it would be the um, the first scene we have with the Rebel Council because we're reintroduced to old characters and new ones at this And it kind of establishes why they're all there. Is that before or after they it's break a- out Jen? It's after they break out Jen, Jen, but... Yeah, no, that's an important scene. You know what I will say, Brandon, about the scene you're mentioning is it sets the tone for the movie in the comedic way because the the line, and I'm going to butcher it, but I think it's awesome when K2 says... Congratulations. Con- yeah, congratulations. You, yeah, sorry. Do not resist. Please do not resist. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point, you're like, okay, this is a Star Wars movie. Cool. We're going to... But it's also going to have some comedic tones. And I think that's important because of that particular character throughout the movie is your comic relief, whether you like him or not. He's... He's going to be that for you the entire time. And then I guess we do have the the council, yeah. right? Are they called a council? At this point, yeah, right? Yeah. The rebel council. And that council scene is kind of important because after you watch this movie a couple times, uh, and, you know, not to jump too far ahead, but kind of when uh, Cassian says, you know, we've all done things on behalf of the rebellion that we're not proud of, right before they send them off to... Uh, uh, what's the name of the planet that gets that they go to? Jeddah. There you go. Yeah, right before they go to Jeddah, like Cassian's character, he's get pulled aside. He's like, forget everything you heard in there. There's no extraction. Our plan is to kill, you know, Galen on sight. He gives that look where like, all right, you know, orders are orders, but you know, you can tell he's not thrilled with it. But he's been so numb to those type of missions that he just goes with it. And you know that the audience thinks that he's going to follow through on those because in the, in the second scene of the movie, when he gets the information from that one guy, once he gets the information, he kills him. Mm-hmm. So you're under the impression that, okay, this is a guy who follows orders. How is he going to follow through with that order while he's transporting 
the guy he's he's supposed to assassinate, he's carrying the daughter with him. That's going to be tough. Or at least you think, okay, that's going to be a central point later on in the movie where you're like, oh, he's going to have to make a decision. And he does, but he doesn't, but he kind of does. Which it's something is, that he grapples with for the entire... It's a main theme of the movie, him trying to separate being a, being a person with morals and being a soldier and following orders. That's He does this the entire movie. It sets the tone for what his char- who his character is. I'm not sure one of, which one of us said it earlier that maybe one of the things that some purists of the Star Wars franchise doesn't feel is, you know, the reason why we, lo- we love Luke, Han... And Leia so much as we have three movies to kind of really see those characters and they grow with us. Whereas in this one, you're given an hour or two hours to kind of fall in love with these characters. And someone like me who didn't know going in or just didn't know the whole story about how this ends, you have to learn real quick about these characters. And you kind of can see the moral dilemma of you have a guy who you can tell has been through some stuff. Very Kyle Reese-like from The Terminator where... You know that since he was six years old, he's been in this fight. So he's seen some stuff from an early age to where things like killing an informant doesn't really matter. But can you kill someone with, can you kill someone's father when they're actually with you? It gives that character a particularly fast arc in the movie. And then you come to realize either that he can't or he won't or he feels that there's a better way to go about the situation. Or perhaps he does have faith in the fact that the message is actually real. So I think the next important scene is that scene, though. I think the the scene where uh, Krennic goes down to goes to Edu. Yes. Y'all are going to have to help me with these names because I don't remember any of the names. They're all cool sounding. Edu sounds cool. I hear it's dark. It likes to rain. You also wait a minute. We need to backtrack a little. Yeah, we skipped the whole Jetta scene. I think that's important. I mean, the the Jetta scene where. Where we first, you know, see the the first, you know, big test of the of the Death Star. Mm. Where, it's kind you know, of important. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. This is Brandon's territory. Yeah, I'm, that's why I'm surprised he didn't pit, jump in. We get introduced to the cargo pilot Bodhi. Yeah, there's a. Yeah, that was going to be my my point or my next one was the uh, the next the next scene on Jetta. Um, we which okay, so we. Why are we on Jeddah? The uh, the Empire is using uh, kyber crystals um, harnessed from Jeddah to power their new weapon. We head over to Jeddah with our with our new team here, and Jen's gonna make contact with someone from her past. So uh, we're introduced to Forrest Whitaker, his eye, and this <laughs> this accent that he's decided needs to happen. I guess because he was a smoker in a past life or something. So instead of smoking cigarettes, my man takes long drags of oxygen and he, he deception Jen. It's been so long (laughs) all around me. (laughs) I'm sorry. Did you, did you come here? To kill me? <laughs> <laughs> so we're introduced to Saw Gerrera and Forrest Whitaker, you know, doing the, giving this great performance. And uh, uh, can we, we have to talk about this torture thing. This, this, it's a tentacle monster. Let's just, it's, let's be real. Uh, Saw Gerrera has a tentacle monster that he uses to torture the, the rebel pilot. And I just, I don't understand why he has a tentacle monster. Boar gullet. You got to do the long, the long oxygen. <laughs> Boar gullet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch it the first time around, but Riz Ahmed playing the pilot, Bodhi. He didn't win the Oscars this past week, but neither did my favorite Chadwick though. But Sad Panda. We're not going to talk about that. Hey, Kyber crystals. What are those besides fueling the, uh, the Death Star, what are they used for? Lightsabers. So if I'm a youngling, in order to become a Jedi, I have to go to a planet that has kyber crystals, and I have to find the kyber crystal that loves me, and I have to love it, and it becomes my lightsaber, right? And hope that you don't run into Anakin. 
Right, because if yeah. you're a youngling, that's the last thing you want to run into is, is Anakin. No, I, so I think, right, they describe the process of making a lightsaber is not so much about an individual kyber crystal. I think the Jedi themselves, they'll purify the crystal uh, and then they they create a lightsaber based on their style, their how they interact with the Force. It's like every different colored lightsaber means something different. Like Mace Windu is a Lakers fan. The first the first mention of of kyber crystals in this movie, though, is it when when uh, Jin is introduced to Chirrut and he says the strongest stars are made have parts of kyber. I think so. Which is kind of. Um, I mean, obviously it was a message to her because she was carrying one around, but it's also like a, what's the word I'm looking for? A it's, metaphor? Yeah. I mean, it, the Death Star is a star made oh. of fiber. Cool. Very, I didn't even think about that. Chirrut was uh, ahead of his time. Dude, Chirrut knew what was going on the entire time. He's like Stevie Wonder. <laughs> you know, so they say Stevie Wonder can see what he's doing. Yeah. I love that scene, by the way. Of just the introduction to Chirrut and, and Baze in general, um, but specifically Chirrut, right? Because you have that, that he's like this mysterious stranger in a crowd, and then he comes out like a freaking ninja. Like Daredevil. I will say, just from a movie's perspective, cool, like, wow, visually that was awesome, and I understand why this movie got nominated for an Oscar for visual effects, is when um, Governor Tarkin okays the... Um, pre-show kind of show deal and it's like okay let's go ahead and just fire this bad boy off and it's fired on Jetta. just the way like that wave of destruction and how it like leaps beyond the atmosphere that looked so freaking cool that's a it is a really cool scene but real quick because since you since you brought up tarkin real quick uh how do you guys feel about like bringing back actor dead actors via cgi I think as long as the estate or the family is cool with it, I don't see a problem with it. It would look weird to me if they tried to get someone to look like him from 40 years ago versus the actual, like, let's digitize the actor's face onto this new actor and play it out that way. I think it looks cool. I didn't know that it was CGI the first time I saw it. Oh. Because I, I wasn't invested in the cast like that. Yeah, because the original actor who played Governor Tarkin died in like 94. So how are you going to do a prequel to that movie? It's an original story, yes, but you have to use some characters from Star Wars in order to like for the continuity. So he was one of them. Carrie Fisher was one of them. As a purist, Antonio, because I know that a lot of people were upset that Tarkin was in it, both because he, the actor, was dead and because it felt like it was unnecessary fan service how did you feel about it he was to me he wasn't in it that long so it, i don't think it really it served its purpose as kind of just like hey remember this guy this is him you know because really if we go back to a new hope he's given you know vader orders and you're looking back on it you're like why and this movie kind of shows you like oh well he's been kind of in charge of the Death Star program. So he, he has some, some pull around here with the Empire and, and you know, presumably the Emperor as well. So I was okay with it. I honestly, uh, it was probably the fourth or fifth scene that he had where Ruben nudged my shoulder and was like, can you believe they're doing this? When I finally like it clicked, I was like, oh shit, that's right. He's dead. Like it took me a minute. I thought that the CGI was pretty good. Um, it, it is almost, it, it's very difficult to tell, uh, that it is CGI. It's certainly not as bad as Gemini man. I don't know if you guys have seen <laughs> Will Smith's Gemini man. God, that the, the CGI and that is, is, is fucking awful for like a full body. It's weird, right? The less CGI you do on a person, the more natural it looks. But like when you go full body CGI, it can, you can really like, it could be really bad. Uh, this one was pretty nice. Uh, but if you ever watch Gemini Man and you look at young Will Smith CGI, fucking terrible. Especially at the end when there's like light on the CGI. It's oh, no. it's awful. Yeah. So. At the very end, when they de-age Carrie Fisher to look like young Leia, I thought that was a lot more obvious 
I think that's because you have such a clear, she's such a, a, a much more pivotal character and you know her so much better that you can, you can just see it more so than with Tarkin. You were kind of like, Oh, okay. You know, do you think it also has to do with the fact that she was in a, a white room wearing white and Tarkin's, all of Tarkin's scenes were in dark shadowy places? Uh, maybe I, d- I didn't think of it like that. So Edu, I guess would be next after the destruction of Jeddah where for the first time we see uh, Galen and his, enge- his his team of engineers. So I think, I mean, so the Edu scene is pretty important, I think, because we have Cassian who kind of has to make this decision now. Is he going to follow through with the orders uh, that he was given, or is he this kind of bond that he's starting to build with Jin? Is he going to not shoot her dad? He makes the right decision. And then the rebels start this bombing run. Galen is injured and Jen gets to say goodbye to her dad, which is, which is, you know, we got a touching scene, I guess there. How did we feel about her acting in that scene? Did it feel like she was actually sad? I thought so. In my opinion, one of the better acted scenes of the movie. I mean, the, the movie is not bad acted at all. I just, I think what I find important about that movie has to do with Jen is the fact that, in the beginning of the movie and when she has her run in with Saw, yeah, when Saw goes, you can stand you can stand to see the Imperial flag rain across the galaxy. And she goes, it's not a problem if you don't look up. Jin doesn't care about the resistance. She doesn't care about the Empire either. She she really doesn't give a shit about either one. The fact that the rebellion has gone on is the reason why she lost her parents. Because her dad was a very important part of standing up against the resistance or the rebellion taken against his will back in order to save his family in order to finish the death star. The mom was killed by a member of the empire. So I don't, I mean, if I'm her, I agree with her. I don't really give a shit one way or the other, but it's at this point in time when her father is killed, that the switch kind of goes off and she understands you have to pick a side. And I think that's what shows the importance of this scene. And that's when you get, I think the next pivotal scene, I like inspirational speeches and lines in a movie, no matter how kind of corny they come across. And I think the more you watch this movie, the the more Jin comes across kind of corny when she's talking to the council. Before we go there, there's another small fan service scene that we get right before Jin speaks to the rebel council. Credit goes to Mustafar to meet with Darth Vader. So we were introduced to Vader for the first time. Krennic is basically trying to get credit for uh, constructing the Death Star. Vader's not hearing any of it. And Vader force chokes him. You know, a little nod to, you know, Vader does the little thing with his little fingers. And um, so I, I it's a fan service scene. You get Mustafar, which obviously that's where Vader really became that's where Anakin died and Vader really became who he was you also get the force choke uh which you know harkens to a new hope and so it's not really a pivotal scene but it is a it's another one of those fan service scenes and it's also one of those scenes that again people the purist I guess um weren't really uh happy to see or weren't that it was it, it, it didn't do anything for them so I want to go to Antonio again um, yeah. How did you feel about this particular little little scene? So I'm going to try to not jump ahead, but I think it's difficult not to. Because when news of Rogue One came out, there was an anticipation that there would be at least a Vader cameo. It was just trying to figure out how they were going to incorporate that into this. And so when this scene happened, I was like, me personally, I was like, oh, okay, there's the Vader scene. Awesome. He does a little force choke, cool, bad dad joke, whatever, you know. Such a bad dad joke. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, okay, cool. You know, James Earl Jones, he's old now. You know, the voice ain't going to sound like it sounded, you know, in the 70s, 80s, and 2000s when when we heard him in uh, in Revenge of the Sith. So honestly, for me, I thought that th- that was the perfect use for him. And I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and jump ahead. You know, at the end, when you hear him breathing again as they're, you know, boarding that rebel ship and you see the lightsaber, like I still remember 
my jaw dropping. I could feel everyone, and at least Ruben, the chick next to me, you know, person she was with, our jaws is like collectively dropping. Like, what the fuck? He's about to like do Vader, you know, to the shit and just kill these <laughs> motherfuckers. And to me, that that put it over the top. There, that was for someone that was just expecting a quick cameo. I thought they used Vader perfectly in this movie, where they under-promised and over-delivered. Yeah, they gave you a little Easter egg, or a little Mm -hmm. surprise. And so, taking us back to Jen and the speech, Ryan. It's a good speech. She's rallying the troops. What chance do we have? The question is, what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power, and you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now. It's very rah, 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 but it's good. I think that's important because now you see that Jin's completely bought in. She's ready. She's going to lead these people. Or she wants to lead. She wants to fight. And now it seems like people don't want to fight. She knows. Her dad told her this is exactly how you defeat the Death Star. This is how the Rebellion beats the Empire. No one wants to listen. And then Cassian, being the the suave man that he is, is Gathers up some forces. It's going to be a tight fit, but they're going to make it. And then we're in. I, I think Amanda mentioned, uh, wrote this down where the whole scene, like the spaceship scene where everyone's just fighting the TIE fighters. They're just, just blowing the, shit the scarif, up. The Scarif sequence. I know it's like the apex of the movie and everything. And so it seems like a cop out to say that's like the best part of the movie, but it is. It is, yeah. And then you still get the comedic relief with, with you know, with K, with K2, just still, you know, with his dry humor the whole time. <laughs> uh, what was it? It's like, we're going to need a map. And he's just like, well, I'm sure there's just one laying around. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon's, Brandon's hating this. The last 30 minutes of the movie is just top notch, just fun. I mean, she's they set the tone on the shuttle to Scarif when she's giving another speech. But in this one, you see, like, she's just, this is where we know that everyone's going to, like, we already knew everybody was going to die, but here's where we acknowledge everybody's going to die. No, we didn't. I didn't know everyone was going to die. For the non-Star Wars fan, you have to think at some point, there's the light bulb does go off. You're like, yeah, they get the plans to Leia, but how did they, (gasps) they didn't get off. You know what I mean? They didn't get off Scarif. But I just thought that was really well done. This movie in general, like kind of akin to uh, when I watch wrestling and it's very obvious that this person is not going to win this, you know, this match. But they when it, the story's done right, they convince you that, no, maybe they can. And right. then you get all hyped up for it. And then when they don't win it at the end, they still lose. You expected that outcome. And if it's done correctly, you're exhausted and disappointed. It was kind of with this movie as a Star Wars purist. I knew none of these people are going to survive. So let's not get emotionally attached to them at all. And when the Death Star arrives and they just start, you know, destroying all these rebel fleets. And you you know that, you know, Cassian and Jin aren't getting off this planet. Their whole team has been decimated already. And they're just sitting there accepting, you know, their fate. But they know that they, the mission was accomplished. And... I'm still sitting there like, fuck, they're not going to get out. Like it was just, it was a beautifully executed movie and story. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I sometimes am really disappointed when people get like these, like they miraculously make it out of this crazy situation and they have a happily ever after. For me, those movies are kind of disappointing. Not that I want to see everyone die, but it's predictable. And so they do give you that hope and you're like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe someone's going to make it. Clearly, a lot of them are picked off early off in the early on in the fight. But maybe, maybe Jen and Cassie will make it. And then they yeah. don't. But I think that's one of the things that's going to hold up the best about this movie. Not five years or not. I mean, five years later, it still holds up. I think 10, 15, 20 years from now, it's going to hold up is the fact that everyone dies. No one miraculously escapes. No one survives in some weird way. They all die. You get the closure with it. Right. Some of these deaths, though, are real sad. Yeah. Oh, um, Bodhi got me. 
I mean, all of, I mean, yeah. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Okay, so. See? It's the peak of everyone's arc. You got it. You got to get there. So first one to go was Bodhi? No. No? Who was the first one to go? Was it Chirrut or was it Bodhi? Oh, I thought we were going to talk about how the shittiest character dies, finally dies in K2. K2 sacrificed himself. And that was so sad. What a shitty character. You're a shitty person. You knew he was going to get decimated the moment she handed him that blaster. You're like, fuck. He's going to stay behind and cover their backs and die. Climb. When his little light, eye light goes out. I know. It's, it's, it's right up there with the Terminator light going out. <laughs> so sad. I hope he comes back in the in the series. I know for right now he's not, but you never know. Uh, I think the thing that I appreciated the most about each of their deaths was like every single one of them was crucial to getting these plans to the rebels. Like the whole thing falls apart if one of them isn't willing to sacrifice themselves for this mission. They did not die. Um, Like nobody died uselessly. Right. It felt like. When Chirrut dies, you see Bay's show like a side of him you didn't expect to see. Like he's he's very hardened in this movie and you kind of like you obviously know that they have a special bond. Otherwise, they wouldn't be together as the way they are. Um, but seeing him like show emotion and to kind of give Chirrut what he wants in in believing in the force, even for that moment, uh, that was like the peak of his arc for sure. And then his death was so accidental. Like, he yeah. shot the stormtrooper and he just fell over with the grenade still. And that's like, well, fuck. And as he looks back at Chirrut one last time before he dies, mm-hmm. this movie's sad. Imagine, and for Bodhi, it's like, had he gotten through to the, you know, rebel base 10 seconds later, they don't know those plans are coming. Right. right. I think Bodhi's story arc in general is kind of underrated, right? Leaving Edu, he, when he talks about Galen and he says, you know, Galen, Galen told me I could make it right or I could do right mm-hmm. by myself if I just, if I'm brave enough to follow my heart. Yeah. And then... For his last line to be, this is for Galen, is so sad too. This whole thing is sad. Action-packed and sad. (laughs) I think one of the good emotional scenes is the Captain America, Bucky type, or Iron Man type scene. Where, you know, they transmit the plans to to the Rebel fleet. And Jin still wants to go after, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Krennic. Krennic, yeah. And Cassian is like... No, like it, it's done. Like let's just let's go. That felt highly unnecessary and a little cheesy. Well, I mean, you, presumably you're still mission accomplished, but this dude is responsible for your family being broken up. Like she was what eight years old when her when she witnessed the murder of her mother. Her father was taken away. She didn't know if he was alive or dead for all those years. And then she, she lost him again immediately after finding him. Yeah. And she's able to see who the person that's responsible is. I think wanting to see him suffer a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know how you can make a dead man suffer. I just feel like the 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 way that scene was kind of acted out was kind of disappointing. It's like, no, it's not worth it. Let's go. It felt something like straight out of a teen sitcom. I also kind of like that you don't get the, the love story, you know, tease. You don't really ever get that payoff Yeah. with, uh, with Jen and Cassian. I appreciate that a lot, too. Yeah. You think for a second that it's going to get to that point, and then it doesn't. Mm-hmm. They just hold hands so they don't die alone. I'm just going to go down as best buds. Man, that shit is sad. Uh-huh. I think it's more sad listening to you guys talk about it than it is the actual so movie. Sad. <laughs> no, in... Yeah, I'm sad now just listening <laughs> yeah. to that. Yeah, Jesus. She's going to... Give me some We're more gonna... Saw Go. <laughs> We're going to discourage people from watching this. The saddest episode of the fun table. I thought Baze's death was like the most gut wrenching because there's that scene towards the beginning uh, where Baze and Chirrut are talking and Baze goes, there are no Jedi here anymore. Only dreamers like this fool. And Chirrut goes, the force did protect me. And Baze goes, I protected you. And so you kind of get the characterization that they are really close. They are really good, like brothers in a sense, you know, they're both, they're both part of the order, right? That's supposed to protect 
the jet what are they kyber the kyber the kyber crystals so how cheer it says you are my protector is i think like on that higher level of why that death meant so much or why that death was like the most impactful to me i don't know he did his job right he did he protected him out of all the star wars movies where do you, where Brandon, where would you rank this in out of you said it's in your top three antonio it's in your top three mm-hmm. but you guys would group this in with the with the nine episodes we have you do you consider solo and rogue one part of the nine not part of the nine episodes because there's nine but like I think it should be included with that storyline, yes. Yes. So I think that overall, I think you kind of group everything that we have at this point up until now as part of the, um, even though there's no talk of Skywalker, like you said, in this movie, I think that you group these all as part of the Skywalker saga. Um, And I think that that concludes with, um, what is it, the rise of Skywalker, Mm -hmm. So I think that I think that this the Skywalker arc is done, but I think that that also includes Solo and Rogue One. So where would you rank it? Oh, I think it's top. It's top three. It it may be the second best after A New Hope. Yep, I agree. Yeah, top three, and we include Solo uh, because Solo gets a bad rap, and we want to include Solo so that Rise of Skywalker is last on the rankings. Incorrect. But Solo, you're right. Uh, just to kind of get into Star Wars for a minute, Solo does get a bad rap. And I thought Solo actually was, was pretty fun. Good for what it was. Where would Derek rank this movie? Oh, so funny you should mention Derek. Because Derek is one of the – if you ask him about Rogue One now, he'll tell you that it's a great movie. But I have the receipts where he's one of the purists that did not like Rogue One because it was not Star Warsy enough for him. When you have a rebel fleet battle, I don't know how it's not Star Warsy enough. You've got X Wings and Tie Fighters fighting against each other. That's this part. Like what? What? What shitty movie came out in 2016 or 2017? One of the DC ones. Civil War. No, DC, not Marvel. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> when did Suicide Squad come out? 2016. It had to have been Suicide Squad, where. I think Nick watched it with him, and Nick told us that Derek, you know, thought Suicide Squad was good, and then he said that Rogue One sucked. So, don't hate that he liked it that much. I, I enjoyed it too, but I thought Rogue One was way better. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's where that's where Derek and I differ. Suicide Squad <laughs> is a fun ride for two thirds of it, whereas Rogue One is like just a really good movie. Oh yeah. All right, let's get to some fun stuff. Who do we have for the Toby Brewster Jordana McGuire Award? It's got to be Forrest Whitaker. What? It is. If, if you I, I can do ter- a reenactment. A I feel terrible saying it because it feels like a disrespect to Forrest Whitaker. The man has an Oscar. I know that. That's what I'm saying. It feels it disrespectful. It feels very disrespectful to say it, but he is definitely the worst actor in this movie. Not the worst. <sighs> Not as a whole, just in this particular movie. You got some really good talent. Yeah, I got. I mean, I'm gonna have to probably agree with her just because it. I'm not quite, and it. I don't think it's all his fault. It's the way he was written. I just. Th- I think it's the way he's written, where he's. It's like, why is he taking these long drags of of oxygen, and you know, and then he's got this weird the the accent and. Why Why did he need the CPAP machine to begin with? Well, he's. I mean, they never. You never really get. The, the straight answer, we just know he's a veteran of the Clone Wars, and uh, that's 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 pretty much, and he's friends with the Ursos. That's pretty much his backstory. I think they address it in Star Wars Rebels, but I have not watched Star Wars Rebels, so I can't comment. Galen Urso was also not written very well, and um, Mads. Mads Mikkelsen didn't give us a disappointing performance, so you can't Give that as an excuse. Second best Bond villain, Mads Mikkelsen. Was Christoph Waltz the first? Uh, I was going to nominate James Earl Jones' voice. <laughs> That's just rude. I'm going to leave that in so people can give you shit. Brandon didn't nominate uh, K2. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, the voice actor, uh, what is Alan? Alan, Alan Tudyk. Tudyk. Okay. I always struggle with his 
with his name. No, he's he's fantastic, and K two as a character is interesting. He's just not very good, and he's an asshole, but not a good asshole. He's just an asshole. He's grumpy. That's probably why I relate. I wanted him to slam his fist down just like an iRobot and say, I did not murder him. <laughs> so the slap scene uh, that he does with uh, with Cassian. Yeah. Apparently, uh, I was watching an interview where they talk about how uh, Diego Luna pitched that slap scene. And then uh, the f- subsequent line of, you know, and there's another one if, you know, you mouth off again or something to that effect, that was ad-libbed. <laughs> and that actually cracked uh, Diego up. So if you freeze that shot as he's covering his mouth, uh, you can actually see him smiling on that. <laughs> That's the stuff I live for in movies. I'll go back and rewatch the movie just to watch that one little part. Just... <laughs> All right. So unfortunately, my man, Longview, Texas, native, born and raised, Boris Whitaker. Really? Yeah. He was great in Phenomenon. I don't know if any of y'all have ever seen that movie. No. With John Travolta. Never heard of her. Very good. The Last King of Scotland. Oscar. Love that movie. It's a very good movie. He was really good. Listen, I, I'm anytime, not... anytime you can make one eye cry, just like Denzel did in uh, Glory, give that man an Oscar. Okay, next award. Speaking of, my boy, of, of Denzel, the Alonzo Harris Award, which is the best scene. Is it the best scene or best acted scene? It's the, it's the best acted scene in this movie. Well... I'm going with the corny scene that you guys were talking about. The the first gen speech with the oh, I, face. I, just because I think it's corny doesn't mean I don't think it's good. I'm fired up. Me too. Well, let's go. Let's attack this base. I don't know who wrote the shuttle two and on Edu, but that is a great scene when they're leaving Edu and they're talking about essentially the price that they've paid for the war that they're that they're victims to. Um, but my favorite scene, I mentioned it earlier, is the opening exchange between Galen and Krennic. Like that is just, it's shot beautifully. It's perfection and acting. That's the scene. I don't think you can go wrong with either of those two scenes. So I am going to pull a Black Widow and ride the fence on this again. So Brandon, you decide which scene's better. I got to go with uh, Jen's speech. Uh, She's got that that iconic line, rebellions are built on hope. Uh, That is good. Which she stole from Cassian. It's a it's a it's a good scene. We use the word hope a lot in this movie. It's almost like we're alluding to something. I know. Like a new one, right? Alright. Next award. The AC Law the Fourth Award, which definitely does vary. But it, we're gonna go this week with you started from the bottom and now you're here. So who do we got? That's Riz. Bodie. Anytime that a defector can can wind up basically winning you a war or winning you a battle. He's going to win the AC Law Award, just like AC Law himself. Are we talking about like the actor started from the bottom and now we're here? Or are we talking about a character in the movie? See, the definition changes because it could also be Diego. Nah, this isn't peak Diego. Peak Diego is. No, but I think think this launches Diego into American mainstream. Because that's not Riz's peak. Hmm. You guys don't even know the definition of your own award. We don't. No. We're it's it's I, it's a it's a work in progress. I was thinking about the AC Law Award on the drive home today, and so his pro numbers sucked. <laughs> it was not a good situation in Atlanta. Okay, so but, basically all downhill from here. But those college years, the, you know that Sweet Sixteen run, mm. maybe a, a, a peak, a okay, peak, and so then a, a a sudden drop. So to, it's definitely not. Riz so that then. would not be Diego Luna. And it's not Riz. Riz. We're going to go with Jin. I don't know what Felicity Jones has been in. That's Same. Brandon's territory. Well, he's not paying attention to Miranda say it's her. All right, moving on. Stop. <laughs> the <Agreed>. Mark Wahlberg <laughs> Award for the best acting performance. I think we're all kind of split on this. And I think lots of people can take it. Antonio, who do you have? Oh. Why do I have to go first? Uh, I'll, I'll go Dow with Dow's pick of Diego Luna because he became my guy after this. Respectable. Who gave the best acting performance, Brandon? Oh, it's it's my girl Felicity. How is no one talking about Ben Mendelsohn here? Just Ever having seen. fun. Was that Amanda's spicy take? He stole it from me. 
I was like, yeah. I got a slightly spicy take on this. And then Ryan's like, Ben Mendelsohn. That's not spicy. That's the truth. It's spicy in the fact that he's not a primary character. You know what I'm saying? He's a watered down version of Colonel Landa. So from Inglorious Bastards. No, you know what? I'll give it to Diego Luna. We got to give some brown love. You are, you're watching too much of uh, Hentified. Hentified's good on Netflix. Check that out. What are some of our favorite quotes in this movie? I think Amanda said it best. Everything that K2 says. Everything from K2's some. robotic mouth. Speaking of mouths. <laughs> oh, speaking of mouths. Yeah, Brandon, go in. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, on season one, we uh, we spent a lot of time talking about mouths. And uh, I don't think we didn't do a Felicity Jones movie last year. But, uh, you know, again, she's uh, she's British. And there's just there's something there's something that the British just like have with their mouths. That's just it's so interesting. <laughs> and Felicity Jones is actually I think this is she's the person that made me realize that the British just have something about their mouths that God who is her who is her co her co-star in the theory of everything um Newt's commander right Eddie Redmayne yes. Eddie Redmayne Eddie, Red, Eddie Redmayne um also has the same kind of like mouth thing going on they they kind of protrude their lips slightly Right. And it's so right. And it just, I don't know. It just, it gives the British like this special acting ability, (laughs) I feel like. And, and of course she, she's, she's on her game in this movie. And I think it has something to do with her, her pouty British mouth. She has lips that women pay for. I think my favorite quote uh, is uh, right after the uh, initial battle on Jeddah. When they are captured by Saw Gerrera's men, uh, they put a bag over uh, Chirrut's <laughs> head, and he says, "Are you kidding me? I'm blind." <laughs> <laughs> the only one I'm going to squeeze in is uh, after Cassian tells uh, Jin, "We have these people that that are willing to to join the fight," and Cassian is like, "I'll be there for you, Jin." Cassian said, "I had to," because that's <laughs> something that I definitely would say. Like, if I'm forced to go somewhere, like, yeah, sure, I'll go. I was told I have to be here. You're definitely a K2. Yeah. You are. I, I I thought of you when I heard that. We have a, a, a list of quotes a mile long, so I'm not going to go into it too much. But I like when they're on their way to Scarif and they're getting ready to land. And Cassian says, uh, make 10 men feel like 100. You got to get fired up when you hear that. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're going to do that. Or when Jen says, and and Amanda put it on her part of the outline, but I I like what Jen says. If we can make it to the ground, we'll take the next chance and the next on and on until we win, or the chances are spent. Because that's when you know everyone's gonna the foreshadowing. I didn't see the foreshadowing that is in that in that sentence right there. Some nine lives bullshit there. All right, ratings. Brandon, you go first. Oh God, it feels unfair to. I, I think I gave last week's movie a four um, and it feels it it always feels cheap if I'm gonna go back to back fours on a given week but uh this one's this is a four for me too I think it's I think it's the perfect Star Wars movie um it's it's subtle but I think that it does everything that a Star Wars movie a good Star Wars movie should do which is inspire some kind of hope make you hate the bad guys and also make you believe in some kind of mystical um, otherworldly thing that you can't quantify. And that's something that the last Jedi doesn't do destroys everything that is star Wars. And I know this wasn't, this wasn't supposed to be about the last Jedi, but rogue one is everything that a star Wars movie should be. And the last Jedi is everything that a star Wars movie shouldn't be. I think, the last time I was on this podcast, I gave the movie a four as well in a plot twist. Um, you did, yeah. But I I have to agree with Brandon, and I'm just going to take the cheap way out and give it a, a four, because how can you not? If any of you give it less than a four, you're wrong. I'm going to give it a four, too. I'm going to give it a four. I am one with the force. 
And the force is with me. Is the force with you, Antonio? Are you going to make this a group four? It's on the Jojo Rabbit list. It's on the Jojo Rabbit list. It's a four. It's a four. Fours all the way around. Dow wouldn't have given it a four. Dow would have given it a four. Oh, Dow doesn't do that. He doesn't give fours. He's the new Antonio. He would have talked uh, Ryan out of the four. No, he wouldn't have. Mm-mm. He does influence you a lot. He influences to a point, <laughs> but he's not going to, no. Because truth be told, this is the movie that made me want to watch the other nine movies. Rewatch the three. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Because we saw Rogue One, and then I was like, you know, I haven't seen the original three Star Wars. I haven't seen one, two, and three, because I call them one, two, and three, even though I know they're not episodes one, two, three. But one, two, and three I hadn't seen in like since I was a kid with my dad. And I didn't see the one that was with the kid that got picked on a lot when he was in school, uh, Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. This movie made me want to watch them all. So that's why it's going to get a four. Did you feel like watching the rest of them was a waste of time? After watching Rogue One? Phantom Menace and Clone Wars, I slept through parts of them. Revenge of the Sith was really good. Was Clone Wars the one I slept through? Yes. Yeah, that, I... So disrespectful. I'm I, sorry. I love Clone Wars. I'm I sure it's great, but like, I feel like after... No, I, it's it, it's universally accepted as like, if not the worst, one of the worst. I, I woke up after it ended and was like, can someone give me the rundown so I can go on to the next movie without watching it again? And at the time, our nine-year-old was like, Jar Jar Binks just talks a lot. He wasn't even in Clone Wars, was he? Yeah, he was. So I don't even know because I slept the, through it. He, he's the one that gave, uh, that gave Palpatine like all the power. Started us down this dark path. Mm-hmm. It's all his fault. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He was like, Misa propose <laughs> Chancellor Palpatine. <laughs> I can actually do a Jar Jar, but I'm, now Come that I've started, I can't. <laughs> that used to be my thing at work, is I would call someone and be like, oh, Misa's so upset with you. <laughs> Brandon, do you think that K2 is worse than Jar Jar as a sidekick? Oh, God. Um, you, you can't, right? Jar Jar is pretty terrible. God. Jar, you know what? K2 is worse, though. Oh, my God. Because at least Jar Jar sets us this. on this adventure that we're going on by granting Palpatine emergency powers. K2 just is a dick for the entire movie and then dies. He was trying to save Jin and Cassian. No, I mean, it was noble what he did, but he was a dick. Climb. All right, you guys ready for a little FMK? Wrap this bad boy up. Always. Rapid fire. Just Jin, Ray, Padme. You gotta fuck one, marry one, kill one. Go. Fucking Jin, marrying Padme, killing Ray. <gasps> yeah. The character. Wait, wait, wait. The character or the actresses? I'm just kidding. It's the characters. But yeah, the characters. <laughs> but also the actresses. <laughs> hey, Tony, what you got? Uh, no, I agree with Brandon. Oh. I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm, I'm not going to hit on you. What do you got? I mean, weird though, because you like Ray. It felt, it feels I do. like I do. You're going to fuck Ray, marry Padme and kill Jin there. I, mm, I don't know and in that. real life, I would do the same. There's something about Natalie Portman that I'd marry, but Ray's hotter. So that's why she gets the fuck out. Is Ray? Well, hold on. Wait, Jin's okay. Yeah. If we're Nat- doing real life then, but also Padme in, Clone Wars in the the white suit at the at the fucking on a God what is that planet called? Um, Mustafar. Antonio, help me out here. The the planet with the bugs. Oh, where they do the aggressive negotiations? Yes, aggressive negotiations. Uh, shit, I don't remember the name of the planet. But okay, so that outfit, Padme. Over anything that Ray has won- what? No, man, come on. No, I still, I still think I'm gonna stick with mine. You're wrong. No, no way. Next one, Cassian, Han, the Harrison Ford version, by the way. Mandalorian, you gotta fuck one, marry one, kill one, go. Kill the Mandalorian. You fuck Han and marry Cassian. Mandalorian is not a good show, by the way. I can't with you. Disney Plus, be better with your original content. <gasps> yes. What you got, Wait, Brandon? Did you not like? I thought you liked Falcon. Yeah, that was it. Everything else has been trash. Except the John Stamos show. I haven't watched it yet, so. I feel like you're going to like Loki, though. That also looks like garbage. 
but we'll give it a shot. We'll give it the old community college try. Brandon, what you got? Oh, fuck. I guess I'm going to fuck Han, marry the Mandalorian, and kill Cassian. Fuck you. That's what I'd go with. What about you, Amanda? Fuck you, too. Cassian, Han, Mandalorian. You got to fuck one, marry one, kill one, go. One guy's not afraid to tell you to get the fuck out of his house. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to fuck Han. I might marry... I might marry the Mandalorian, kill Cassian. Cassian dies anyway. Wow. It's true. This is the anti-Mexican pod. It's true. Sorry. What is Pedro Pascal? Pedro Pascal is Chilean. Chilean. He likes his sea bass. Brandon, this one's especially for you. C-3PO, K-2SO, or General Grievous, you gotta fuck one, marry one, kill one, go. Um, fuck. I guess I'm marrying C-3PO. God. Uh... I am fucking General Grievous because he's got the arms and also he's <laughs> General Kenobi <laughs> and I'm killing K2. Wow. I'm so that's sad. the wrong answer. I know he dies anyway, but it's the wrong answer. You marry K2, you fuck General Grievous, and you do what should have been done in Rise of Skywalker and you kill C-3PO. I would kill General Grievous in an alternate universe if he does that spider thing that he does where he like flips <laughs> over on all fours and then crawls off I forget which I forget which one of the prequels that is but he, he fucking just does like this little spider crawl thing and I'm like ah no nah, that's not for me that's where Brandon says you know what I've hit my limit I'm out I'm out he's trained in the Jedi ways though I mean right now in general though if anything like flips over on all fours and starts like, like, I don't know if you've ever seen like those videos where like those girls will like flip over backwards and like crawl in the grocery store and shit. No, absolutely not. Anytime something flips over and starts crawling, I'm out. <laughs> that goes double for like horror movies and shit. Like that's why I don't watch them. Cause I'm scared of like go, shit like that happening. You go from <laughs> six to midnight from to midnight to six. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Bye.